Say hello to a new friend on an old road. Take a two-lane trip of memories into mysteries unknown. Come along for the ride. Jim Hinckley's America. Jim Hinckley's America. Hey, good morning, everyone. Glad you could join us. We're continuing our stories, uh, walk on the dark side of Route 66, if you will. Talking about uh, a gentleman that, by the name of uh, William Cook. You know, it's not often that you uh, find a killer that you can have sympathy for him as well as the people that he tragically brought down. But this is a story that's just, there's no winners. Mr. Cook never really had a chance in life. That does not uh, by any means justify his trail of murderous uh, rampage along Route 66. But it's an interesting story. It's a dark story. It shows that Route 66 was more than just neon and tail fins. And uh, I'd like to give a shout out real quick to one of our sponsors this morning, since we'll be talking about Missouri, is uh, the Wagon Wheel Motel in Cuba, Missouri. The oldest continuously operated motel on Route 66. It's a great little time capsule. It's the very essence of Route 66 made manifest. Quite a, quite a place. I don't know if a Route 66 trip can be considered complete without a stay at the delightful Wagon Wheel Motel. Okay, here we go. Picture this. From Stroud, the drive west on Route 66 is quite pleasant. The rolling landscapes have a timeless feel, and there are ample opportunities for, t for photos. For the adventuresome, there's a section of the old Ozark Trail Highway, predecessor to Route 66, west of Stroud, complete with original directional obelisk. There are even Route 66 celebrities to visit. Chandler is home to McJerry's Route 66 Gallery, where visitors can meet Jerry McClanahan, an internationally acclaimed artist and the author of EZ66 Guide for Travelers, arguably the most popular guide to this highway for the modern traveler. Even the ghost town of Warwick has an attraction of note, historic Seba Station, now a motorcycle museum. At the junction to Luther, a small town located just south of the highway, stands the Threat Station. This is a nondescript, long-closed stone building that was built in about 1915 with locally quarried sandstone. With the exception of a small addition to the rear of the building that was constructed about 1960, <clears throat> it is relatively unchanged. The station was built to meet the needs of people traveling State Highway 7, predecessor to Route 66 on the border of the Therat Farm. What makes the station unique and historically significant is the family that established the business and the business's clientele. The Therats, with other former slaves, 
homesteaded the area in about 1899. The station was one of the few in the vicinity to provide service to African-American travelers. It was near this junction on December 30th, 1950, that a heinous crime unfolded. William Edward Cook Jr. was born in Joplin, Missouri in 1928. His father's alcoholism and inability to hold a steady job ensured that the family lived in abject poverty. His abusive nature kept the children living in fear. In 1933, Cook's mother died. <clears throat> Excuse me. Shortly after, his father set up a home of sorts in an abandoned mine shaft. Then one day, he just simply walked away, leaving the children to fend for themselves. After authorities found him, his siblings were placed into foster care, but William had a deformed eye result of a childhood injury and a violent temper. He was made a ward of the state until a suitable home could be found. <clears throat> After he entered foster care, Cook seldom attended school and was often arrested for truancy. Shortly before his 13th birthday, he spent his nights committing petty theft, shoplifting, and even burglary in Joplin. After his arrest, he told the courts he wanted to go to reform school rather than back to his foster mother. Six months later, on the day of his release, he robbed a cab driver of $11. He was arrested that night and spent the next five years in reform school. His droopy eyes, slight stature, and sullen manner made Cook the target of bullies, but he was a fiercely violent young man. In one particularly brutal fight, he nearly beat a boy to death, an incident that led to his transfer to the Missouri State Prison, even though he was still a teenager. When an inmate teased him about the droopy eye, Cock beat him so badly the man was hospitalized for nearly a month. Released from prison in 1950, Cook returned to Joplin, where he briefly reunited with his father. His father later testified that when Cook took to the road a few weeks later, he said that his intention was to live by the gun and roam. Later investigation determined that Cook hitchhiked west on Route 66 to Los Angeles and then drifted to the small town, desert town of Blythe, California. He worked there as a dishwasher until just before Christmas, 1950. And a few days before the end of the year, he traveled to El Paso, Texas, where he acquired a snub-nosed 32 caliber revolver. On December 30th, 1950, Lee Archer, a mechanic who lived in Lubbock, Texas, picked up Billy Cook hitchhiking. And that was the beginning of a multi-state crime spree that would leave death and shock in its wake. Shortly after being picked up by Archer, Cook pulled his gun, forced him off the highway, robbed him, and locked him in the trunk. At a gas station, Archer used a tire iron to force the trunk open and made his escape. He would be one of the lucky ones. On Route 66, east of Oklahoma City near Luther, Cook ran out of money and gas and again took to the road as a hitchhiker. Carl Moser, 33, traveling from Illinois to visit a brother in Albuquerque, New Mexico with his wife, Thelma, 29, three children, Ronald, 7, Gary, 5, and Pamela Sue, 3, and the family dog made a faithful decision to stop and give Cook a ride. 
For at least 72 hours, Cook forced Moser to aimlessly drive around Oklahoma, western Texas, and eastern New Mexico with the children and dog locked in the trunk. At a remote filling station near Wichita Falls, Texas, Moser attempted to overpower him, but Cook was a veteran of vicious prison brawls. A few days later, on January 3rd, police discovered the Moser's blue 1949 Chevrolet abandoned and partially hidden along Route 66 near Tulsa. The interior was awash in blood, and scattered among the refuse was a receipt in the name of William Cook Jr., the man who had been identified as the kidnapper of Lee Archer. After abandoning the car, Cook headed west on Route 66, first by bus and then by hitchhiking. In Needles, California, he turned south toward Blythe. The multi-state manhunt commenced in earnest after discovery of the Moser's car. After Harold Martin, an ex-con, reported that Cook had previously threatened to toss him into a mine shaft when they argued about the planning of a robbery, and after learning that mud found in the Moser car came from mine tailings, police chief Carl Nutt and Joplin detective Walter Gamble immediately began investigating abandoned mines. Martin's tip added validity to reports that Cook might be in the area. The officers soon made a gruesome discovery. The bodies of the Mosier family and their dog in a flooded mine shaft. The manhunt for Cook quickly became one of the largest in American history. More than 2,000 law enforcement investigators and officers, including FBI agents, pursued leads, set up roadblocks, and interviewed acquaintances and family. Acting on a tip, Deputy Sheriff Homer Waldrop went to the motel where Cook had lived while working in Blythe. Details vary in the telling, but what is known is that Cook overpowered the deputy, disarmed him, and took him hostage. Cook forced the deputy to drive the patrol car aimlessly for hours while regaling the officer with details about his crime spree which included the brutal murder of the Mosier family. In a remote desert location, he ordered the deputy pull over and lie face down in a ditch. Surprisingly, Cook simply took Waldrop's wallet, got back into the police car, and drove away, leaving the officer bound and gagged in the desert sand. That evening, along the road near the remote desert ghost town of Ogilvy, California, police located the stolen cruiser. It contained the body of a traveling salesman, 32-year-old Robert Dewey of Seattle. Police determined that Cook had killed Dewey for his Buick, which found the next day abandoned near the Mexican-California border. Then came the report that 32-year-old Forrest Damon and 33-year-old Jim Burke, who had been prospecting in the Chocolate Mountains near Waldrop's abandoned patrol car, were missing. The end of Cook's murderous spree was undramatic. Two men from Santa Rosia, Mexico, reported seeing a vehicle matching the description of one belonging to Damon and Burke on the road to Tijuana, with three men inside. After spotting the trio in a Santa Rosia cafe, police officers disarmed Cook without a struggle. The terrified prospectors were unharmed. Initially, Cook professed his innocence, claiming that it was a case of mistaken identity. Confronted with evidence, he provided the chilling details of the Mosier family abduction and murder. After the incident in Wichita Falls, Cook had forced Mosier to drive toward Albuquerque. Near Carlsbad, New Mexico, the family had tried to escape. 
but they drove through El Paso, Texas to Houston and back toward Joplin with Cook stopping to shoot the family along the way. Extradited back to the United States, Cook was tried, convicted for the kidnapping and murder of the Mosier family, and sentenced to 300 years. A second trial for the murder of Dewey took place in California, and Cook received the death penalty. On December 12, 1952, he was executed in the gas chamber. The James Burke and Forrest Damon kidnapping was dramatized the following year in The Hitchhiker a 1953 movie starring Ida Lupino, Edmund O'Brien, and Frank Lovejoy, with William Talman as Emmett Myers, a killer with a deformed eyelid. The old highway near Luther was recently widened, but it still retains the rural feel of 1950. Even the futuristic Pops Diner, a landmark of the modern era located in Arcadia, doesn't intrude upon that sense of timeless, but even the glow of pops can't disperse the shadows of the Mosier family tragedy. Mr. Cook, tragic figure, a young man that really never had a chance in life. His murderous rampage on Route 66 was, to say the very least, disturbing and haunting. Just so you don't think all of these murderers are from along Route 66, are associated with Missouri. On our last program in this series, Friday morning, 6.30 Mountain Standard Time, we'll introduce you to Mr. Eggers, charming gentleman in California that he's decided that divorce would be uh, take too long and be too expensive. So he expedited the process. Once again, I'd like to thank the Wagon Wheel Motel, Cuba, Missouri, for sponsoring our programs. Uh, don't forget Jim Hinckley's America. You'll find a calendar, uh, a schedule with all of upcoming program information for Wake Up With Jim, as well as Coffee With Jim, our Sunday morning program. You'll also find a schedule of upcoming appearances. My friends, until we meet again. Take care and via Candios. Say hello to a new friend on an old road. Take a two-lane trip of memories into mysteries unknown. Come along for the ride Jim Hinckley's America Jim Hinckley's America Today's story of Mr. Cook was uh, an excerpt from a book, Murder and Mayhem on the Main Street of America, Tales from Bloody 66 by Rio Nuevo Publishing.